I have sailed. I have moved about this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Audio Drama Networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed, and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. When we left our hero, he was on his way to Gambrel College to continue the ceremony of acclamation. The audience with his new pal, Dr. Elodie Tran, ought to be pleasant and brief, a mere formality. Unfortunately, it appears that Adrian Ward may be his worst, but not his only, enemy. This is... Day 8, Part 5 Scenes from a Hostile Takeover It is the eighth day of the return to Aldergate. The time and place of writing is after eight o'clock in the evening, in the private study of the manse of the Vice-Chancellor. We begin... Betrayal. It's a funny thing to say, but you never much minded being stabbed in the back. That's really all in the game, isn't it? At a certain level. To really climb high takes teamwork, and sometimes a teammate will get the idea that, for them, climbing higher means using your head as a toehold. No complaints. No lingering ones, at least. That sort has a nasty habit of tumbling down pretty quick. And in the meantime, you've learned a lesson. And you've only yourself to blame. Most times, when you've felt the Judas kiss, you've looked up and realized you were standing under the mistletoe. Hmm but not this time. 
and a betrayal you don't see coming may be a betrayal well earned, but a betrayal you can't understand afterwards isn't just upsetting, it's confusing. The dagger presently resting between your ribs may be no bigger than a cocktail skewer, but it stings something terrible. Firstly, because you don't know why your new pal Dr. Trance stuck it there. And secondly, because you don't know how to make her pull it out again. There. Perhaps you ought to have had some premonition of your impending doom as you rattled through the blustery November gloom headed for Gambrel College. You rather wish you had. That would suggest that, at some subconscious level at least, you'd some understanding that something was up. But no. No, you felt tip-top as you wound your way up Lamp Street, admiring the haunted beauty of the deepening shadows that populate that glorified medieval alley. You even grinned at Simon Arkwell's new house of worship, or whatever it is, as you rolled past. One aggressively gothic door stood open, and you caught a glimpse of candlelit activity within. A sneaking suspicion crept into your mind that old Simon might shake out to be a fresh sort of nuisance, one you'd not accounted for. But what of it? If he and his little, or even his large, congregation start trying to throw a bit of weight about, the Lester Kangs of the world will be squealing long before you've even felt a twinge. <laughs> Jolly good, too. Anything that upsets the colleges that isn't you is a potential bargaining chip. You would hate to have to squash old Simon, but, well... You wouldn't hate it that much. Careful, self. If there's one lesson you ought to have learned today, it's that you can't afford to underestimate anybody's ability to doubly double your toil and trouble. Simon may have been a capricious, ironical butterfly, but he was never a fool, and he is still an Arkwell. Arkwells can make trouble for vice-chancellors when they choose. History's pretty clear on that point. And you, for all your pains, are still but a partial VC. Ugh. And to think, you even went so far as to boast lazily to Baz that you had won the day. You considered your acclamation all but assured. Not that you'd really thought any of the other heads were going to poison you, but it wasn't unthinkable that some dreary old sod like Lord Gregory might have wanted to put the kibosh on a forward-thinking whippersnapper like Adrian Ward taking the university's reins. Having got past the old schools, you figured you were out of the narrows, only the laboratory colleges remained. If anybody was going to do spring dances at the prospect of your administration, it ought to have been those Johnnies come lately. <sighs> so one might have thought. So one bloody well did think. That is to say, of course, when it comes to university politics, it's a war of all against all. 
at least where the colleges are concerned. But surely it's only human nature that the elders of the tribe should be a bit clannish and superior towards the young bloods, and vice versa. <laughs> Especially when there's an age difference such as this. The first five go back to the 1100s, while Buckminster wasn't an official college until the 1940s. <laughs> the Bucky manufactory had been a sort of shared resource for ages. Then the war came, and with it an opportunity to snap up all the refugee boffins who wanted no part of it. Scientists, technologists, mathematicians, engineers, allied and Axis alike, all wishing to abstain from what Bertie Russell called the dreary alchemy of transmuting men into mud. Yes, Buckminster was the most recent, college number 30. And it would have been your last port of call on your whistle-stop tour of Aldergate. But you never got there, did you? Nor, for that matter, working backwards, did you make it to Pelparvis, Lytton, Bateslaw, Bray, or Tozan College? No. Because first came that graveyard of ambitions, Gambrel College. Unlike Borodine and Sarhan, apparently Elodie Tran hadn't gotten enough of you last night at dinner and declined Baz's request to waive her claim. Perfectly within her rights, of course, but certainly suspicious in retrospect. <laughs> An entire evening with Adrian Ward is generally about the maximum monthly dose for an adult. This Tran, however, had declared herself a glutton for punishment. So, next stop the fine red walls and hallowed halls of Gambrel Gambrel College, as the song goes. Baz shunted you out at the Witch Street Gatehouse, <laughs> the doorway of ghosts, sorry, and said, ta-ta, see you at Regent House. After all, at that point she'd done about as much for you as could be done. No more need for the banana-mobile, the idea was that, for the next few hours, you'd just be hoofing it round laboratory clothes, to Tozan, Bray, etc. A bit of a trot from there to Bucky, but you could sneak down the Pelparvis backs and over the Faymarket crossing in half the time it would take to drive all the way back, down and round. Yes, your path lay ahead. Nothing for you to do but follow it. Or not. <laughs> Poor Baz. All that organizing and arranging, and she shepherded you practically to the finish line. She'd probably punch you in the mouth when she finds out you couldn't close the deal. Best thing she could do, maybe. Maybe she'll shake the missing bits loose. Come on now. Think. Remember, go through it step by step. It's got to be in your silly head somewhere. All right. Out of the bananamobile and into the gatehouse. <sighs> yes, yes. 
Your pal, the porter, directed you to the office of Dr. Elodie Tran, head of Gambrel College, and right royal pain in the neck. Funny thing. Well, not funny, really, and no doubt entirely meaningless, but Tran's office looks down onto Lost Quad as well. It's quite near Prof. Kilbury's residence, as a matter of fact, and they write up at the top, whilst he's at ground level. You thought about paying a call on the old boy, and see if that awful handy gal had fixed his window yet. But, well, you were in a rush, weren't you? Didn't know then you'd no reason to hurry after all, and afterwards you were too stunned to think of it. Yes. On your way in, however, you were in the groove, acclamation in sight. You even took the stairs, moving easily and well, like Pheidippides preparing to take the peristere exit off the E-75. You paused a moment outside the door to find your center and make sure your hair wasn't doing anything important. Then you wrapped out a hearty shave and a haircut. Come in, came the cry from within, and you did so. Now, at this point you've got a pretty fair sample from which to judge the officers of your college heads. On one end you find the fossilized austerity of a Lester Kang. His office is a varnished temple to the resident ego. Could blow a pint of sawdust up his ass and call the whole thing a museum exhibit. Then, at the other extreme, there are the Mikolas and Malones of this world, college heads whose offices are essentially bedsits without beds in them. Dr. Tran falls somewhere in between. Her office is an office, but a working one. Things happen there. More things than you'd care to guess at, probably. Stepping inside, you noted a pleasantly cluttered desk, some rather daring artwork on the walls, a freestanding chalkboard robed in decades of yellow dust, a cherry fire glowing in the grate, a large glass tank in one corner, inhabited, as you came to learn, by an astonishingly sleek and overgrown old lobster. There were students there as well. Four of them, late teens through forty-something, you'd have said, sitting cross-legged on the hearthrug, banging away at laptops with frenzied concentration. Beside them, in an overstuffed armchair, her bare feet propped up before the fire, sat Dr. Tran herself. All this you saw at a glance. What you now realize you did not see, and after the day you've had, it ought to have been conspicuous by its absence, was so much as a morsel of nourishment for a visiting V.C., nor any drop to drink. <sighs> Dr. Tran clapped her hands. Enough. Scary little ones. It will still be there in the morning. She rose, and the little circle of cultists stood also. You, Denitra, you may feed Wrangler. 
The favored one, a gracile young lady in braids, snapped her laptop closed and trotted over to the lobster tank. She began showering its inhabitant with bloodworms from a jar. The rest of the class filed out without glancing at you, one of them still typing one-handed. After Denitra had fed and fled, Dr. Tran rose and pounced upon you. She caught your hand between hers and wrung the life out of it. Mr. Ward, we meet again. Come, sit, 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 sit. She pushed you in the direction of her armchair's twin. Then she dragged hers closer until you were knee to knee. Then she sat back and grinned. Those astonishingly pearly choppers of hers fixed you like the interrogator's spotlight. And yet she said nothing. Well, you smiled back. Not so effulgently, perhaps, but you work with what you've got. Yes, you smiled, and you waited. And she smiled, and she waited, hands folded, looking like the biting pair of Salamanca's grandmother. <sighs> of course, you see now that it was a battle of wills. At the time, however, you didn't realize you were playing, and so you forfeited. So, you said, when your cheeks started getting numb. Ah, well then, that is to say, here we are, what? She exchanged the grin for a look. You know that look. Couldn't place it at the time, but it's just the look Dr. Kilbury liked to give you back when you and Sammy first plunged headlong into his study cult. Enthusiastic novice that you were, you'd spark an idea and run with it. Some grand claim about the fundamental nature of the universe. And he'd ask you questions, poke here and prod there, gently force your reasoning onto an inevitable trajectory. And then he'd get that look, the humorous glint in the eyes, the quirk of the brow. And he'd watch as you went sailing over the cliff and smashed your poor, flawed idea into a tangled wreck of bad rhetoric and twisted logic. Yes, that was the look, the look that says, go on, take all the rope you like. And so, evidently, you did. Yes. Um, well, acclamation, what? You beamed encouragingly. Acclamation of the Vice-Chancellor. The whole consent of the governed business, don't you know? Being quite the afternoon, and, well... You heaved what you intended to be an expressive sigh. 
Channeling the spirit of Chief Constable Standish, you followed it up with a gesture, eloquently signifying that you had been through twenty-three of these little transactions already, and the time for number twenty-four was squarely at hand. So, Gambrel, eh? Gambrel College. Good old Gambrel. Still, she remained reticent. At this point, you were at least perceptive enough to realize she was being an obnox. But you weren't annoyed, just confused. Was it possible, you wondered, that Baz might not have briefed this tran on her lines and business? And anyhow, she'd clearly been expecting you. If the new boss turned up on your doorstep and you'd no idea what he was doing there, you'd ask, surely. You wouldn't just sit goggling at him. And so, blameless and unsuspecting innocent that you are, you plunged ahead. Whether she'd got stage fright, or had forgotten her steps in this ridiculous ceremonial pas de deux, no matter. Dispensing with the social graces, you cut to the chase. See here, it's all quite silly, of course, but, well, you haven't got a bun or something, by any chance? Cup of coffee? Or, well, anything, really. You scanned the landscape for something more appetizing than bloodworms, and less troublesome than old Wrangler. Perhaps Baz didn't tell you, but there's this rule. You see, per the dreary old Lex Ordigatiensis, every new vice-chancellor has got to... No. That white and bright grin had returned at full wattage. No, Mr. Ward. I am afraid that there is nothing here for you. Not to eat. Not to drink. No, first, there is something you must do. And then, then things fell apart. <sighs> Not things. You. It. Him. That's when Other Ward crashed the party. And for all you know, the crash may yet prove fatal. <sighs> what happened? You talked. You and Tran. Him and Tran, that is. You know this because you popped in and out from time to time. In and out. On and gone. You seemed all the time bobbing at the very surface of consciousness. Never quite a proper walkabout. More of a strobe effect. <sighs> you remember what you remember. But that mental record skips like a spring lamb on methamphetamine. Dr. Tran flickered to the edge of her chair and then she was up and bouncing around the room, poking at the fire, then gazing out the window. 
a flip-book of antique gesticulation. <sighs> and what the twist were you doing all that while? You stayed seated, but every time you'd reappear, you felt the muscles of your face go slack, then hitch back as you re-entered once more. Your jaw began to tire, and then to ache. Whatever this animated dialogue between you and Tran was about, it had you grinning or grimacing like the Dickens. <sighs> what can you have been talking about? You caught only slivers, fragments, meaningless shavings from the ends and beginnings of your sentences or hers. Once you felt your lips closing around a syllable that felt like ick. At one point, Tran was right up in your face, a lacquered nail threatening to unnose you where you sat, and she whisper-hissed a single word straight into your eyes. Nobody. And then she was off on the other side of the room, looking down at her lobster, rocking her head slowly from side to side, side to side. <sighs> then you fell into the fire. Nearly did, at least. Not quite sure how you managed not to in the end. You'd been wedged into the armchair all this time, so when you suddenly found yourself standing over the coals, it caught your knees unawares. <sighs> you can see yourself collapsing tumbling, putting out your bandaged hand towards the glowing grate, presumably thinking it was the bit you'd least mind losing. <laughs> Except, no, that wasn't what you were thinking. You... <laughs> Twist, if only you could remember... Every time you lurched back into existence, you picked up exactly where other Ward had left off. That is to say, you inherited the state, not only of your body, but of your brain, just as he had left it. Left you with images, ideas, his ideas. For those split seconds... You were feeling what other Ward had felt. If only you could understand just who you are when you're not you. But you can't. Can't even recapture those feelings, let alone find words to explain. But if you did, they'd be words like... Calm... At least, a certain species of calm. Calm as a coiled spring. Calm as a spear-fisherman about to throw. Calm. And something else. Something like cold, but not cold. Something like crushed. But not that, not at all, quite the opposite. 
something like damaged. Yes. And that's correct. Yes, that is the word. The others are just pot shots, but that, that is correct. You felt Otherward feels damaged. Not injured, not in pain, not broken, very, very far from broken. Oh, you felt your clockwork ticking beautifully in those instants. Far better than it usually does. Felt invigorating, almost. Like when a plan comes together and all the stars are clicking into place. Except that something in you wasn't working as it should. Some piece of your machinery sat lifeless among the whirring gears, and you couldn't tell what it was meant to be doing, because it wasn't doing it. <sighs> a silence at the heart of the mechanistic harmony. Damaged. You are, aren't you? It's all very well you're getting angry at other ward for hijacking you, but he gets in through the cracks in your head. How much has he taken already? How much is left to take? How much before he takes it all? Once he left you at the bottom of a river. Tonight, tonight you were falling into the fire. You could feel the heat of it on your face, your numb and nerveless face, a face that wasn't really yours and never had been. You stretched out your hand, the hand that was not your hand and never could be, reached into the flames. Yes, you reached into the flames and grabbed the doorknob. Pain. A jolt of ugly agony spurting up your arm, and your bandaged paw cowered back against your chest to be comforted. But the office door swung open before you. Dr. Tran was behind you. It is nothing personal. Then she shoved you in the seat of your trousers, propelled you out into the corridor. You didn't turn round, just stood there, paralyzed, unsure whether you'd be allowed to be yourself again. You must think about it, you heard Tran say. You are a good boy, but you must make things right. Balance, Mr. Ward. You must balance the equation. You heard her laugh. Until then, Aldergate has had its last vice-chancellor. 
The door shut behind you, and you reeled away. Down, and out, and home, through the windy darkness. <sighs> so, here you are. And for now, you're hamstrung. For now, and for good, if you can't appease Dr. Tran. Which you can't, because you don't know what she wants. This much, at least, is clear. You are being shaken down, self old boy. Hostages have been taken. A ransom has been demanded. And you may well have to pay up. She certainly acted as though she'd got you over a barrel. All because of some silly, superannuated ceremony. Ah, it's a dashed, dirty trick. <laughs> the best ones always are. And you've taken it squarely on the chin, haven't you? <laughs> You've had your sleeve stuffed with aces for so long, you've got accustomed to the rest of the world just folding as it ought to. Now here's this upstart Gambrelian throwing down what amounts to a pair of deuces, a get-out-of-jail-free card, a coat-check ticket, and an expired driver's license, and she may just end up sweeping in the pot. And all you really know about whatever it is she wants is that it must be something you can give her, even without the full power of the vice-chancellorship at your disposal. <sighs> whatever the twist that means. You need a lawyer, that's what you need. Except there's no such thing when it comes to the Lex Ortegatiensis, unless you count old Deddy. Well, why shouldn't you count him? And he did invite you to come pay him a visit whenever you like. Hmm. Probably didn't mean it, whoever does, but that's not for you to judge. Yes, you've half a mind to do just that. And since half a mind is about all you can claim to have these days, that settles the matter. Hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off to the Office of Invitation you go. Tomorrow. If there is a tomorrow. <laughs> bah. Enough of that. Pull your socks up, Ward. All this ritualistic nonsense is a maddening nuisance, but no worse. What's it matter, anyhow? At the end of the day, fulfilling your role is a secondary consideration to doing your job. Your real job. The job you started here, and came back to finish. <sighs> yes, the job you've been neglecting. Tomorrow. <sighs> tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Enough. Tonight, you're addressing Regent House. Very shortly, as a matter of fact. 
<sighs> yes. Yes, nearly time. Getting frozen out of your last slate of meetings has given you a chance to write and vent, but you really ought to be getting a move on. You are but a partially acclaimed vice-chancellor, but they'll just have to take you as they find you. They'll all have to, or your persecutors. Let them do their worst. Regents and bastards and time-stealing phantoms and things that go bump in the night. You, self boy, are going to bump back. Well then... So ends the eighth day of our hero's return to Aldergate University. All is not well with Adrian Ward, but, injured and stymied and star-crossed though he is, his will remains mostly indomitable. Of course, will is not everything. And these next few pages do seem to have quite a lot of worryingly dark red stains on them. He'll be all right, surely. All right-ish, at least. Hmm. We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday at thealtergatepapers.com. Find the Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well. And spread the word, won't you? This may be my story, but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am, and shall remain, your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio. Or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. Together.